Hello, everyone, and welcome in. I am inside Nebraska staff writer Jeff Ekstrom covering the Nebraska volleyball team. We're in today for another preview. This time, it's a biggie. Uh, Nebraska takes on Wisconsin, one of two regular season meetings. They get underway on Wednesday. It's a late one in Madison, 8 p.m. first serve set for Big Ten Network, and we're going to break it all down for you and joining me today to give you a preview of the Badgers is Dennis Punzel. He is the writer for the Madison State Journal, 10th year on the beat for the Badgers. Dennis, thank you so much for joining me here today. My pleasure. I always like talking about Wisconsin, Nebraska volleyball. It's always one of the premier matches of the season. Again, one of two regular season matches. They'll meet again in late November on the 25th, I believe, in Lincoln. But this one has all the attention of volleyball world. This one will determine a Big Ten front runner. Nebraska 10-0 in the conference. Wisconsin right behind them, along with Ohio State at 9-1. But Wisconsin wins. They get a share. Uh, with Nebraska, but if Nebraska wins, they'll be a front runner till that November matchup. Dennis Kelly Sheffield spoke today. Wisconsin on a bye week. The Packers not doing too well, so all the attention is on this match on Wednesday. What's the vibe around this match heading into this week? Oh, I think there's uh, there's excitement and around town. I'm sure it's going to grow. I'm, you know, the the field house will be buzzing. They don't like eight o'clock weeknight matches here, especially with the little kids who can't come, but uh, that's the only negative. And uh, yeah, there's, I'm sure it'll be loud and exciting and, and another chapter in this battle. Yeah. I wasn't too big of a fan when they announced it was going to be 8 PM start. It's a, it's a little too late for me, but you know what? Uh, I'll get over it for this uh, type of match. Wisconsin 15 and three, nine and one on the season. Uh, so Dennis, take me, th- let's go through uh, the schedule so far. Two of those three losses came in the non-conference slate and by, they weren't bad teams by any means. Uh, they were five set matches to Baylor and Florida. Um, how do you think the Badgers uh, went through that non-conference slate? They faced four ranked teams. Yeah, and and they generally played okay against them. They had a uh, Baylor. I, I, they weren't clicking, and that's it's it's so long ago. It's even hard to remember that it was in this season, um, and it was on the road. Um, and and they had some uh, a lot of new faces. There's almost the whole team is different, and starting with who they rely on. You know, they they they've relied on. They've had a Hilly and Retke, Loberg and on and on and then Barnes in the backcourt and so they had an established hierarchy and that all changes a lot of people back but there are people stepping into bigger roles it's similar to what Nebraska's gone through um, there, there's there's a lot of similarities between the two uh, uh, the Florida match was a crazy setting um, I think they might have been a little too wound up with the record crowd um, and then, you know, they, they stumbled for two and a half sets and then they got going and it looked like they had it rolling and they were up eight, five, I think it was in the, the fifth set. And then just some plays went against them in volleyball, you know, it, it can end quickly, you know, a ball can go crazy and land in the wrong spot and boom, it's over. And that kind of happened that way. They had a, I think they had a couple service errors in there too, that opened the door. Uh, but 
it's been a work in progress this year and, and more so than last year where the leadership was all in place from the previous year and the year before that, and in some cases the year before that and the year before that. Um, here you had two new setters stepping in, a whole new system like Nebraska's gone through some setting issues, but they also have one of the best setters in the country back with loads of experience and uh, and she's a great player. And so usually when you think 6-2, it's because you're a little weak at the setter position or unestablished maybe. And say, I won't, not necessarily weak, but you don't have a, a, a one sure person. And for nine years, they had that between Lauren Carlini and uh, Sidney Hilly. As nine years, there were six first team All-American years and two second team All-American years there. So basically they had an All-American every year for nine years. And so that's, that's the biggest change. And uh, they're still working through those issues. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that point, Dennis, because, yeah, both programs are going through uh, that sort of situation. And for the Badgers, obviously, I think six new faces, 11 returners from a year ago. But a lot of those new faces are transfers. Uh, Kelly Sheffield attacked the portal hard, including Sarah Franklin, uh, the outside hitter for Michigan State. Uh, how have those players fared into this uh, Wisconsin culture and system? Obviously, they're getting a lot of playing time. I mean, you said that they've gone through some growing pains. How have they acclimated uh, to Madison? Oh, Sarah, she's like she's been here for her whole life. It's, it's, she's, she's a different kind of character. Um, just really kind of goofy and uh, always smiling and happy-go-lucky. And um, she's she's a character. Um, I think stuff r runs off her back. You know, she got subbed out yesterday because she was struggling. She's had a she's been error-prone. And if there's um, been an issue, I, I think she has not fully hit her stride, but she's had matches where she just dominates and she has a bigger skill set probably than any outside hitter I've seen here especially when the, you think of her as a 6-4 player that uh, she's got a lot of power um, she, she just feels like she's been here forever um, Chanel Bromschreiber it, it would have been interesting how she would have fit in uh, a starter for four years at uh, Baylor or the libero the last two years. Um, and then she was banned from playing for the first half of the season by the NCAA who somehow thinks women shouldn't have the same rights as men do when it comes to exploring their options. And uh, it's just nonsensical to me. And uh, she's a brilliant person. Um, She's had just a bit part. Um, she came in and served three straight points yesterday at Michigan that, that turned a set around. Um, but I'd be interested to see if, if they find a way to expand her role at all, or she's kind of been one of several serving subs and hasn't really played a role in the backcourt yet. So that's the, the two major additions. Yeah, let's say, obviously, she stood out for that first season. That was a messy situation. I, again, it, 
I don't know why the NCA still exists uh, with decisions like that. Um, but I mean, yeah, what, what, what's her role going to be going forward? Obviously it's only, she's only played in four matches so far this year and they, they want her to have a starting role right away, but due to her being suspended for those games, what's she can have expanded role uh, near the stretch end of the year. She came in knowing that Golce uh, Gustikin was, was probably going to be the libero. Uh, if she had been here and been able to compete from the start, it might've been interesting, but you know, she was ineligible to play. And then along the way, she got half a year eligibility. So they, they really couldn't count on her. And then uh, Golce uh, has sort of grabbed onto that spot. She's had some up and down moments, um, but uh, part of it is, and you see it in Nebraska too, when you have two setters and you have a setter in the back row all the time and the two left sides, um, Julia Orzol and uh, Sarah Franklin play six rotations. There's no place for a, uh, a DS to play. Um, you know, it would only get interesting if somehow they decided to uh, sub out. Maybe it would probably be Franklin in the back row, which they've shown no indication that they want to do. Um, last uh, Sunday, um, when Jade Demps came in for Franklin, she played six rotations, even though. Uh, Passing isn't uh, her specialty and uh, not necessarily a good defensive player, but she made, she made all of her passes and uh, made a couple of good defensive plays in the back row too. So I don't, it'll be interesting if there's any change for her, it would be, it would require somebody getting, uh, not playing six rotations back there. Interesting, but knowing Sheffield and John Cook in the chess match that goes on with their lineups. I wouldn't be surprised if he decided, uh, Kelly decided to do something weird like that just to throw off the scouting report that Nebraska well, had. Yeah, I don't see that happening right now, but I, I think he looks, uh, Kelly looks at the, what Nebraska does in the back row. And, you know, it starts with Nicklin being such a great defensive player, too. And you've got a great libero, and Kenzie Knuckles is a great player that it's hard to find a, a hole back there uh, and even harder than it last year when it was also a really good team. I think they're, they're even better. And, you know, the difference is that they've uh, added the back row attack here, which for his first nine years, they didn't really ever have a consistent back row attack. They hardly ever used it. And then the last Oh, just down the very stretch when when Demp started playing the back row, they used her as a she was basically a back row attacker playing the back row, and they tried to hide her on defense. Um, and now she's kind of been pushed out of that role, but uh, she was a major reason they won the national championship last year, and now she's been kind of a bit player this year who stepped in uh, yesterday and and had a nice match, but. Uh, a nice set in a, a set in a quarter or so that she got to play. Um, so I, I don't, he was talking about the lineup, but like last year they had the injury to Danielle Hart and then an injury to Georgia Chavita 
which required them to shuffle things around where they didn't have any choice in the matter. And then some things worked better than others. This year, so far, everybody stayed healthy, healthy enough to keep playing. And uh, so there really isn't this, the same juggling of lineups that went on last year, uh, but he was addressing that, that he, he never wants his team to feel like everything is set because he didn't want people who aren't playing to just say, well, I can't play no matter what I do. So that's, that's a loser mentality there. Uh, and it can, can create a, a non-positive a non uh, team energy, I think. You want, you want the people who aren't playing to push the ones who are and to keep trying to show why they should be playing. So stuff may come along, but it'll be, I think, around the edges or if somebody's having an off match. Um, Demps has subbed in on, a, on occasion for Anna Smrek, who's been kind of up and down this year. She has her moments. You see the flashes. You see a play here and there that re reminds you what she did in the tournament last year in the Final Four. But she hasn't had a, set, a full match like she had against first Louisville and then against Nebraska, where she just dominated. She'll have a, a play, but that she dominates. Part of it is she, has, she doesn't have Sydney Hilly setting her. And I think the two setters, she's 6'9 with an incredible reach. You have to set the ball higher than you're accustomed to. And I think that is still, you know, sometimes it's like she's hitting the ball with her elbow because the ball's not up. You know, she's just so much bigger than what you're expecting. Well, considering how uh, tall some of the middle blockers for Wisconsin's been over the years, it's a little surprising the setters haven't been able to set her that high. But yeah. well, speaking of that, how what kind of offensive system can we expect Wisconsin to be in? They have two setters who have plenty of assists for the season. Are they going to run a six-two like Nebraska, or what are we going to see on Wednesday? Wednesday yeah, night, they committed to that early. They started in the spring. People thought, well, is it going to Izzy Ashburn or MJ Hamill? Who's going to be the setter? How's it going to play out? And it's right from the start, it was suggested it could be both. And then quickly became apparent that it was going to be both. And people, even during the season, when it started, they said, well, who do you think is going to take over? And I said, it's going to be both of them. This is the way they're going to play. Part of it is, and I think it might be similar to what Nebraska has decided. Uh, there's may have been a little more forced with uh, some health issues on Kennedy or but um, neither Ashburn or uh, Hamill is a great blocker so to play in the front row their liabilities either one would be a liability up there compared to Devin Robinson or Anna Smrek so Right there, there's some motivation to have them play the back row. Um, neither is established as superior to the other. And I think they're both comparable. I think they're different body types and they move differently. Um, Ashburn is a little more athletic. She's quicker. Um, and they, they may set the ball a little different. But they've tried as best they can to uh, 
to um, be consistent between the two of them. And, you know, you're, you, there is always, you end up setting most everybody because there's rotation. So you don't always just have the same hitters to go to, but you have some hitters that are playing with you more than others. So you, different one setter can develop a connection with a player who's out with her the most often. Um, but that's the way they're going to play. And they'll, unless one of them gets hurt, um, they'll play those two for the year. That's some of the things we talked about. It's just kind of interesting that both programs went to six twos this year and Purdue is playing a five, two with a, a back row setter and a front row setter. And Michigan just switched to a six, two and they're, they're all Michigan probably won't be ranked this year, but they're all ranked teams. Um, and you get the two of the top five teams in the country, both doing it. And Pittsburgh plays a six, two, and I was asking Kelly today if is this, we saw this as maybe a trend in the game or is it just circumstantial that Nebraska has so many hitters that it's hard to not want to get as many of them in. They, they can get them all in and still have three or four standing on the, in the corner that say, how is this kid not playing? Um, and, and they kind of feel that way here too. Um, you know, they got a freshman, Ella Robel, who came in as a top 10 player and she's hardly gotten on the floor. Um, good hitters has, has other parts of her game to work on, but she's got, just got uh, players in front of her who are uh, at a, at a different level. And then you got Jade Demps also in the mix ahead of her. So um, there, there's a, a lot of uh, depth in the front court, which is another reason to go with a six-two. Good problems to have, uh, I would say. Just a lot of good players there available for you. Well, let's get down to the nitty-gritty, Dennis, and tell me why Nebraska. So, tell me why Wisconsin wins this match, and tell me why Wisconsin loses this match. Um, why they would win was if if their defense can hold up as well as Nebraska's hold up, you know, Nebraska's on a, I think a different level, but Wisconsin isn't that far behind. They've had streaks yesterday. They gave up a 12, three run at blew a 19, 13 lead to, to Michigan. And, and I think Michigan finished with an eight, one run. And it just, they've had that, especially some first set issues where they come out and just don't seem to be, running smoothly. They haven't run smoothly all year. I think it, it, it's, it doesn't look like it. And you look at the stats and you say, geez, that's pretty good. They're, you know, they're leading, I think they're leading the big 10 now in hitting percentage and they're second in defensive percentage or second or third, I think it's second. Um, and you think, well, that, that's not too bad. And yet it, it, it never, for a full match, it never quite feels like it's, it's all running smoothly. And yet you always think it, it always did in the past and it probably didn't, you know, your memories get a little uh, fuzzy over time. Um, so why they would win if, if their defense can, can hold up and their offense doesn't get frustrated because they're going to have big hits that don't get them points. And, uh, I'd say that that would be a, 
avoiding a, a bad runs that get them in trouble and um, just getting off to a decent start. For Nebraska, you know, I would think they're the favorite. Um, I don't, Kelly laughed when the coaches picked Wisconsin as the preseason Big Ten favorite. And he said, well, they're just doing that to stick it to us. Because if they if they could honestly vote, they would all voted for Nebraska. And uh, I think he, and he would have been the first one to vote that way too. Um, so I, I would, you know, you got a home court advantage might balance it out a little bit. Um, it's a good test. Yesterday, uh, Kelly said, you know, it, it, this is how we want to measure ourselves. As I don't think he feels like they are well short of their peak. And that's what gives him excited because he's like coaches. They love to see teams grow and not, they're not going to peak too early, um, which, which can happen sometimes. And you see it around the country, teams get off to big roles and then pretty soon something goes stale. And uh, you, you, I always wonder not to drift off too far, but uh, when you see Texas loses to an Iowa State, I said, "Well, they getting bored down there because they they get out they you know, they they have a, usually a, a challenging non-conference, but then they get into their conference, and you know maybe some years Baylor might be able to push them, but basically they know they're going to beat everybody they play if if they show up, and I, I, you don't have that in the Big Ten." And you see uh, Indiana goes into Michigan and beats them. And I'm like, I saw Michigan twice here in the, the, the past two Sundays. And I said, that's a pretty good team. And Indiana has never been a good team in, in my awareness. And, uh, and yet they're getting, they must be getting better. You know, they, they were here and they're, they're showing progress. So even your bottom teams and Maryland's a dangerous team. And they take a couple sets against Nebraska early. They, yeah, they took one. And Cook has said uh, all year long that Maryland's a really good team ever since playing them. Yeah, and yet then they'll turn around and lose to people. Um, I Northwestern, I saw them and I said, dude, that's kind of a, a dangerous team. And then you turn around and watch them get swept by somebody. And, you, and so it tells you that the bottom – Part of the league is prob probably better than it's been. I'd say maybe except for Rutgers, um, but I think it keeps everybody in the league challenged. And I, you know, the, the fans here are all going to be whipped up for Nebraska. They always are because Nebraska's just the standard. Even though Wisconsin's had a run over them. Here, whatever it's the last three years is it seven eight matches in a row whatever it is but those people who did that a lot of them aren't here so but it, it it says the program's gotten to a place where it can play with the standard and it can beat them um where before that was not the case and uh, i think so you have a couple of heavyweights who have sort of established themselves you know, Wisconsin still got to win another four or five national championships before they can talk about supplanting Nebraska. So that's not happened, even though they're the reigning champs. Um, they know they 
the respect for Nebraska is huge, but they also make a point of not going crazy about this match. Um, it, it's the next one on the schedule and you'll get all the cliches and they got Minnesota coming in here on Saturday, which they aren't going to think about until Thursday, but um, so they, they, and you've been around long enough and you know, this is not the last match. Um, it, it's, it's big. It's, it's, it's what makes covering big 10 volleyball so much fun is there's a lot of big matches and Nebraska is always the biggest. And I talked to Anna Smirk uh, last week and she kind of, this first time I've ever heard anybody say, yeah, Nebraska really kind of gets it going for them. You know, they, they, it, it, they, they feel it turning up, but like Kelly has always emphasized, if you get more fired up for one team, you aren't being fired up for the next team properly. So you have, you have to treat everybody like they're Nebraska. I just think here, everybody sort of knows better. They, they know that it's, it's the giant. And Nebraska feels the same way about Wisconsin. I can tell you that right now. Uh, Dennis, to finish this off, I, of course, got to ask it, what's taken the volleyball world? The biggest news, obviously, the explicit photos and videos that were released and leaked of the Wisconsin volleyball team uh, last week. What has that been a huge distraction for this team? How, how have they handled that? Basically, once they, they, the, the police, UW police and the athletic department put out a statement about it because, and that's a kind of an awkward thing because it was out there in certain circles, people were hearing about this thing. And, and yet 90 something percent of the people in town probably had no clue until they put out a statement about it. Um, they aren't talking about it. No, no players talk about it publicly. Kelly isn't talking about it publicly. They don't even uh, take there's there's admonition at the start of press conferences that there, there'll be no questions about this. So it's being held as a as a a matter that's not for public discussion. I do know it, it tore them up last last week. And it's, it's one of those devastating things that happens that never should happen in our world. And uh, it's the sickness of the internet and uh, that, that someone would hack in and, and steal photos like that. It just, uh, it kind of turns your stomach. And uh, here's some of the nicest, the best, kids I've ever met in my life. And, and I'd say if I covered Nebraska, I'd say the same about those kids. Um, I think volleyball players are just the best ever in all my dealings with anybody from any school. And so to have this going on, uh, it's really sick. And, uh, but it's not a public issue. I know it, it, it tortured them last week and they just want it to go away. And I, most things in our life have a shelf life these days. And I think they're hoping this has a shelf life too. And they hope they catch the hackers. I don't know what the percentages are on that and how they go about it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a real, uh, I think traumatic experience for everybody involved. 
Well, maybe then the Nebraska match comes at a perfect time to kind of reshift their focus there. But let's not let's not end on a sour note. Dennis, you've been a part of plenty of Wisconsin-Nebraska matches. What's your favorite memory from those over the years? Oh, it could it was like whatever the most recent one was was probably the one for a lot of I, I remember going my first trip out to Nebraska and the Cornhuskers just crushed them. This was a, a Carlini team. And they had just been voted number one the week before, and then they lost back-to-back to Minnesota at home, got swept, and then went out to Nebraska and just got pounded. And I remember talking with Carlini and, and Haley Nelson on that team, they were both, this is not going to happen again. And th- there was a real drive. And I, so I remember that one explicitly. But the, that championship match last year is one of the, you know, I, I can't go back to the 1980s. But I, in my awareness, that's as good a match played on the biggest stage in front of the biggest audience live and the biggest TV audience, a marathon with uh, both sides playing as good as they probably played all year. I, 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 both teams played great and uh, with tremendous players on both sides, legendary people, um, top people in the program's histories, I think all the way around. And that, that will be uh, one of my biggest athletic memories in 45 years of covering sports. Well, for good reason, too. It was a historic night uh, for the first ever national title for the Wisconsin Volleyball Program. Dennis Punzel from the Madison State Journal. Dennis, thank you so much for joining me. This was awesome. Plenty of good stuff about volleyball. Um, and I'm betting you're as excited as me to cover that match come Wednesday. Well, I like it because it used to be that I would hate an eight o'clock match, but they've moved the deadlines up earlier every year. So now it's, there is no deadline because it won't make the print. At least I don't think so. And uh, so it takes all the heat off uh, of trying to crank something out in five minutes. So yeah, it's, I don't have to play them one at a time. I can get, uh, excited about covering a Wisconsin-Nebraska match uh, without having consequences. Oh, there you go. No deadlines. Love it. Thank you so much, Dennis, for joining me. Uh, Everyone, don't forget, 8 p.m. first serve uh, between Nebraska and Wisconsin. That will be on the Big Ten Network, as well as 107.3 FM here in Lincoln and any other Huskers Radio Network affiliates. Thank you so much, Dennis, for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching in. Again, Nebraska-Wisconsin on Wednesday, 8 p.m. first serve. Until then, we'll talk to you later.